Hey, I'm Josh Smith, and welcome to another series of my podcast, Rain. If you're new here, first of all, where have you been, babe? But second, and most importantly, I'm so glad you are here now. This podcast is all about being the kings and queens of our own lives, and it's full of empowering stories from brilliant guests, as well as some incredible words to live by. And of course, a lot of lols too. We all look at our favourite celebrities and think they've got it all. And it's so easy to forget no matter who you are and what you do, ultimately we are all the same. In each episode, I'll be chatting to some of our favourite stars about the most human of experiences, how they've dealt with tough times and overcome them to reign over their lives. I've always found these conversations so inspiring, whether that's me making changes in my life, my relationships, or just getting my gym gear on. So I'm really hoping you will too. Welcome to Rain. Slam to the left, you're having a good time, because in today's episode, we are joined by a true pop music icon. It's Melanie C. Melanie joins me to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the Spice Girls, the band which not only sold over 100 million records, but their girl power message taught an entire generation about feminism, equality, and high kicked the patriarchy right in the balls. Melanie went on to have a hugely successful solo career selling 23 million records and her 2021 self-titled album hit the top 10. So there's no chances of her slowing down anytime soon. In this episode, Melanie opens up about the sexism the band faced in a very male-dominated 1990s world, the accusations around her sexuality when she cut her hair short and the mental health and body image issues she faced during her career. Melanie also reveals there is one event that will get all five Spice Girls back on the stage together. Plot spoiler, you're gonna need your wellies. For someone whose life has been changed by the sheer empowerment of the Spice Girls, it's a true honour to have the icon that is Melanie C on the podcast. So I hope you love this episode just as much as I did. Well... Hello, babe. How are you? Oh, my. Do you know what? I am all the better for seeing your lovely face. How are you? <laughs> Babes, I'm all the better for seeing your lovely face and that tracksuit. Honey, walk me through for people who can't see this. Well, the thing is, you know, I love my Adidas. I've got my three stripes on in my favourite colour, my red, my bright red. And then I've got a little M here. So it's my little, um, yeah, monogrammed Adidas, bespoke, (laughs) (laughs) self-ironed. Couture Adidas, babe, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, unique, one of a kind. Just like you. And you. (laughs) Stop, put me down, my God. (laughs) Babe, first things first, happy birthday to you and the Spice Girls 25 years well like I, I tell you what we're looking good at 25 aren't we <laughs> babes what's the secret it's a good age on us what is <laughs> what? the secret what is the secret do you know what I think I still wake up most days you know sometimes when we wake up we feel a bit don't we do you know no. what I mean I often uh-huh. feel a bit a bit gross in the mornings but I often think I'm a Spice Girl. <laughs> you know, 
and I still <laughs> and I still pinch myself because everything that happened from the 90s through to today what an incredible journey you know it's had its ups and downs but I think this feels like a real golden era mm. to be a Spice Girl you know those shows in 2019 the stadium shows we did in the UK and Ireland were off the scale you were there Babes. in our audience it was like I went twice I went once my friend Caroline when I saw you on my birthday and it was like the best moment ever because you sang me happy birthday I was like I'm peaked my life is done now I can just retire and then when I went with my friend Lily she was like losing her mind we just like lost it it was the most incredible celebration of everything you guys stand for oh my goodness it felt so magical because it just felt like you know it's so strange now with hindsight obviously that was 2019 Mm. that was our last summer of complete freedom you know Mm. and it's almost like I don't know whether that was kind of part of, because we didn't know that this craziness was coming, but everybody was like, it was so kind of inclusive and unified, Mm. and it was such a shared experience. And, you know, as a pop artist, you're so fortunate to play a stadium. You never get to play shows that big, you know, it's very rare, but they felt intimate because everybody. They did, right? Because everybody in that stadium was just on the same buzz, weren't they? On the same vibe. It was no one was no one was take me back. (laughs) Take me back, babe. Let's make it but like (laughs) 2019. Take us back in the time machine. Because I mean, like, I was talking to my friend about this the other day, and we were talking about our journey towards being feminists, right? And we were saying, when was the first time you realized you were a feminist? And like This is no over-exaggeration to say that you and the rest of the girls taught an entire generation about the fundamental power that is girl power and being a feminist. I honestly do not think, hand on heart, I would be the ally that I am to women now if it wasn't for the Spice Girls. Because, like, that was a whole journey and and a lesson and teachings that you taught us. And, like, I just wanted to say, like, thank you for that. Oh, well, <laughs> I, you're very, very welcome. But, you know, it's like we had the privilege of having that mm. opportunity, you know? It's like I, I literally, I feel so emotional. I mean, I am, I'm, al- I'm always bloody crying. But it makes me feel so emotional because, you know, those shows really enabled us to see the impact that Mm. we had had on a generation. And we feel like, you know, in the 90s, we were aware of feminism, but it was, it could be seen as quite highbrow or, Mm. you know, it it was something which was, I mean, what's the word? It, it it was it was almost academic. Do you know what I mean? It was it was there, but I think for young people, very young people, you know, the Spice Girls kind of opened the door to having fans who were three and four years old. It it gave it something palatable, you know. It made it mainstream, and of course, you know, we can't take the credit for feminism, but because of what we experienced and what we wanted and how we wanted things to change, that helped us give people this insight and kind of have each other. And, you know, what I love as well is because, as you well know, you know, the the support we have from the LGBTQ plus community is incredible. And that Mm. happened really quickly. So it changed from girl power and feminism to people power and equality and inclusivity. And, Mm. and you know, it was all accidental. It was this wonderful, happy accident. And thank goodness. And, you know, so I am so proud we did it. But it was a privilege to have that chance, you know? Mm. 
when do you think you first realised that you were a feminist? When was your, like, girl power epiphany? I think growing up, I have really strong female role models. You know, like mm. with my mum and both of my grandmothers, they were very different. You know, my, my paternal grandmother was the real kind of matriarch. You know, she had Irish background and it was that kind of, um, you know, she was tough. And, you know, and my mum has a real strength, but a real softness as well. So I just grew up around these amazing women. And it was kind of inbuilt. I didn't really think about it. I was very single-minded in what I wanted to do with my life. Mm. I've always had this love of performing and that's what I wanted to do and nothing was going to stand in my way. Then when I met the other girls and we started working together in becoming the Spice Girls, we had all of this in common. You know, we really respect our mums. We've been brought up by really strong women. And coming together, it just gave us that confidence and strength that we had in that union. And coming up against a bit of sexism in the industry really Mm. quickly, it just set us on that journey. Mm. And I think as well, like, you mentioned that sexism. I think a lot of people may have seen the recent Channel 4 documentary. And I was watching that back, and you see these newspaper headlines, and you see this kind of like wall of sexism that came up against you because you were independent women with your own voices, taking control of your own narrative. What kind of sexism really frustrated you that you came up against and what really shocked you and what was really difficult to comprehend at that time? It's so strange, isn't it? My daughter always gets really frustrated when people say, it was a different time. And it was, you know, everything Mm. evolves. When I look back at things like, you know, whether it be tabloid newspaper clippings and interviews, the way that we were talked about, I mean, you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves. It isn't perfect today. There is still a long way to go. But when you look back to the 90s, the language that was used, Mm. uh, you know, it was just disgusting the way that they treated women. And, you know, it still is. It still is. It has improved, but not enough. Um, I think for us, it was quite shocking because we were just so ambitious, you know, very naive. We went out there and yeah, when we were told, oh, you know, girl bands, they don't really sell records, you know, teenage girls buy records, so they want boys, you know, they want to marry the guy in the boy band mm-hmm. or whatever. And we were just like, what? <laughs> and I mean, that's, you know, that's not how we feel. Surely if that's not how we feel, there must be other people who feel that mm. way, you know? So we wanted to go out there. We wanted to prove people wrong. And, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of grateful for those short-sighted, narrow-minded people because it gave us our mission. Mm. And yeah, I mean, that was, that was shocking to just be told you couldn't do what the boys are doing. And, you know, like I say, things have to have improved, but you know, there still isn't equality in the workplace. There isn't. I work in the music industry. It's male dominated. And I'm always seeking out to work with more women, whether it's on stage, off stage, in the studio, writers, producers, engineers, you know, musicians, there's still a disparity and, and you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's work in progress. Yeah, and I think as well with that is when you become a solo artist for the first time, you know, you chopped your hair off and then all of a sudden everyone mm-hmm. was like, oh, question your sexuality, which is a whole other level mm. of sexism as well. How mm. difficult was that for you to wrap your head around? 
That made me really, really angry because I just mm. thought, you know, how dare you assume and, and put labels on people? And, you know, something that's really interesting for me at the moment is that, you know, obviously being a Spice Girl, there's a lot of talk about girl power and feminism. But, you know, we live in really interesting times, you mm. know, and there are there are so many, you know, parts of our community that really are finding a voice. And I worked with Sink the Pink, as you know. Yes. I did a fantastic tour. And it was my first time working with drag queens and um, non-binary people that closely, you know? So it was such an education to me. And like, so I, I always feel kind of weird talking about, you know, sexism and girl power and stuff because I've really learned to kind of live in this like gender fluidity and mm -hmm. see beyond people's genders, you know? And that was, that was so enlightening for me to meet people where I kind of, so I get emotional again when I talk about this, when I saw people's, I don't, right, I'm in LA, I might sound like I'm a bit out there, but <laughs> when you, but when you see people's souls, you know, mm. when you meet people, because we always, we do that thing that we were kind of, whether it's a cultural thing with us, we, we look at somebody, you know, we, we make all these assumptions about them. But when you just get down to it and you get to know people, you see beyond the shell and everything. It's just that human, isn't it? And I think that is, that's such a beautiful thing to have the ability to do, you know? Mm. Do you wish you were kind yeah. of afforded that same respect when you were going out on your own? I, yeah, do you know what? I really do, because that was the hardest time in my life. I obviously was coming out of the crazy days with the Spice Girls. I was launching out on a solo career and I was having some personal issues. And, you know, I, I don't want to blame anyone. I'm completely responsible for myself. I'm an adult. But I think there were definitely things along the way that were very unhelpful. I'd been very open about mental health issues I was having, about eating disorders I was battling. And the newspapers, the tabloid newspapers, were making fun of me, you know, even mm. when I'd admitted those things. And at that time, not many people were talking about depression or eating no. disorders, you know. It was... Um, it was something that wasn't spoken about as openly as, as it is now. And thank goodness it is now. And we need to continue to do so because it can be so isolating and make you feel so alone. And then to have like national newspapers poking fun at the way you look or, you know, some of your admissions um, was really difficult and, and challenging, you know, and, and added mm. to the struggle. How have you learned to look after yourself as you've gone through your life? And what would you say have been some really key turning points in you being able to look after your own mental health and have a better relationship with yourself and know yourself so well that yeah. you don't let that kind of stuff get to you? You know, it's still a work in progress. You know, nothing's ever perfect. There are good days and there are still bad days. But I, you know, personally for me, sadly, I had to experience real lows you know mm. I had quite severe depression um anxiety panic attacks which is something I do occasionally still suffer from and I just had to learn to be kind to myself and I think you know I say as a female because that is my perspective you know the the world I grew up in and the era I grew up in 
And I'm sure this still happens now. And maybe even it's harder to a certain extent because of the way the world is now with social media and the comparisons we make and the, these, you know, these ideals which are impossible that we try to emulate, you know, looking at things like Instagram. Um, that I was just so hard on myself, you know, I was never good mm. enough. Nothing was ever good enough. And then I was unhappy and then I felt guilty because I had all of my dreams were coming true, being a Spice Girl, you know, being successful, earning lots of money and traveling the world and doing all these things, but it still didn't fulfill me. So that made me feel even worse about myself, mm. you know? So it's this battle. And I just had to had to learn to, to just appreciate who I am. And I think, we, you know... So many of us, we strive to be something. Where at the end of the day, you know, we are enough. And it is great to want to improve yourself and want to better yourself. But the only way you can do that truly is by loving yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't think if if I got that job or if I lost that weight or if I, you know, I don't know, did certain things, I would become that person. That's no, I am that person. And when Mm. I believe that, I can achieve these wonderful things and fully appreciate them. Do you think, given everything that you've achieved, and I mean, you've achieved so much stuff in the group, outside the group, personally as well, do you think that is the ultimate success for you, realising that in a way? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of going, you know, with anything in your life. Because, of course, you know, I've had lots of disappointments as well. And Mm. I find it's like, it's the human condition. We dwell on the disappointment, don't we? We dwell on the failure. When it's like, hang on a minute. Look at the amazing Mm. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's, yeah, it's like it's celebrating the successes and then realising the things that didn't go that well. It's probably for a reason, you know, and we do learn from those things. You know, those things still hurt and I have so many regrets. But you know what? It, it's learning to to just be, to be easier on yourself. And really, that, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's loads of people out there that do this. It's like when I do really well, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. But then when I don't do well, <laughs> yeah, like, ah, ah, you know, yeah. it's like, come on now. <laughs> and just, you know, I... I try to speak to myself the way I would speak to other people, you know, somebody mm. you love, you know, because we really should love ourselves above anybody else because we can't offer that love to other people if we haven't got it for ourselves, right? So, but it's it's a challenge, you know, it really is. 1000%. Is there a no or like a sort of down period that you look back on now that almost has empowered you in a way? Oh my goodness, you know what? Anything that I do in my life, and I'm sure I'll have many more challenges ahead. I I look back to those darkest days, and for me, it was kind of around the millennium. You know, that was when Mm. I was really just taking the first steps towards recovery with my depression and my eating issues. And, you know, I've never... I've never thought about ending my life, but I have had times when I've thought, maybe if I wasn't here... You know, maybe if I didn't wake up, it would be easier. And to have felt those feelings, anything that is thrown at me now, I just think, you know what? I got through that. I can get through this. And I think we are so much stronger than we realise, even in our weakness. You know, I'm a very emotional person. I cry all the time, but I'm tough. <laughs> yes, babe, you are. Yeah. And I think when you you talk about yourself like that, it's so incredible that you've been on that kind of personal journey. 
And when I was looking at, like, old footage of you guys, especially when you were, like, living in that house together, which must have been the most crazy experience ever. If you could go back mm-hmm. into that house now, you probably would probably do a bit of tidying up and stuff as well. But what would you want to do if you could sit them all around? <laughs> sit yeah. you all guys around and be like, look, girls, I'm yeah. coming from the future and I've got something I need to tell you. What would you want to say? Oh my gosh. You know what? Well, the first thing I'd do is take down my Robbie Williams poster. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what? He was my first male crush. I'm not joking. I mean, he he was cute. He is cute. Love Robbie to bits. But um, it is just so funny when you see if, you know, if anybody has seen Raw Spice, which is a documentary that was made in us girls, literally before we were the Spice Girls. You know, we were just this yeah, girl yeah. band. You know, we just got together and, you know, it was all kind of forming in this little house in Maidenhead. Right? Kind of just outside London, Berkshire, a little bit out in the sticks. Um, yeah, we were there. And what would I say to those girls? You know what I would say? I'd say, don't be so hard on yourselves and don't be so hard on each other. You know, Mm. you've got an amazing ride coming. Enjoy it. And I think, you know, there are so many downsides to getting older, but the positives are, you know, that wisdom of experience and just being a bit more relaxed about things. And you know what? Maybe if we had been more relaxed, we wouldn't have achieved what we did. You know, there was mm. such an energy with us that propelled us. So, you know, what can you do? What can you do? And I think as what well, like, you everyone is, can at times be quite hard on their friends, can't they? And the people around mm. them. Because they're like, oh, I expected this of you, or I needed you to do this. And it's always coming from an internal place sometimes. And I think for you and the Spice Girls, you you symbolise this level of friendship and solidarity as well. But within that, friendship changes, it develops. Like, what do you think have been some turning points in in your friendship and how that is kind of specially formed and changed as well? Like every friendship does, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think when we all first got together, we were so excited getting to know mm. each other, you know, because we are such different characters. And, you know, I, I still remember the very first time I met everybody and exactly how I felt about them. And I was just so intrigued, you know. I just felt like they, they were the, the coolest, kookiest, craziest, you know, everybody had these qualities. And the way I felt about them, my, like my initial thoughts on meeting them, I still feel like that today, you know? And I suppose we, we had something very special and mm. we, we felt like we knew that, you know, quite quickly once Emma had come in, because there was a few little lineup changes. And then when Emma became part of the band, something just clicked and there was this like mad energy between us. And we just knew we were just gonna, we were gonna achieve these dreams. And that made us, I suppose, quite fearful in a way because no one wanted to mess it up. You know, it was so important. So we had this thing where we knew we had to be, we had to be tight because in a situation like that, especially when we became successful, you know, there's lots of people who want to get in. They want to find the cracks, you know? So we were super tight. So in that, 
we, we self-policed. So they mm. were my support network, but also we were like each other's parents, you know? So if you stepped out of line, you got to tell enough. So it, it was kind of, you know, in a sense, it was a real safe space, but then in another sense, it was a real pressure cooker as well. So that was hard. That was hard. In the beginning, it was just that fun, you know, the expectations and the ambition and just, you know, what's going to happen. And then, of course, when it did start to happen, it's like, wow, we're on this crazy ride. But it's also like you go into survival mode because we were all dealing with it, becoming famous, Mm. being written about, being followed by paparazzi, you know, unbeknownst to us, being listened to by tabloid newspapers. Do you know what I mean? There was so much going on. I mean, we, the Spice Girls continue to be written about every single day. You know, some, one of the Spice Girls will be written about in the media. You know, it's, it's never ended. So that was a lot to come to terms with. And I think... An interesting thing about fame, which you you never consider when you go into it, is that it doesn't just change your life. It changes everybody connected to you. Mm. You know, your family's lives are affected. And we all had siblings who were like in their late teens. And so it was just this like, yeah, it's just this crazy, crazy shift. And we kind of, we experienced it all together. And then I suppose there's things like, you know, dealing with the media, and then there's favourites, and then you having to deal with, you know, how you feel about some people in the band getting more coverage than you, and mm-hmm. and you know, and, you, and we're, we're all ambitious individuals, you know. So it's been a journey, and I think we've had our hard times. Obviously, you know, Jerry had her reasons when she left the band in '98, which completely broke our hearts. But we completely understand she needed to do that. That was her time to do that, and all those wounds are healed. Um, and I think becoming mums, we have this newfound respect for mm-hmm. each other. And now we're older, I would say now, and especially after 2019, and this includes Victoria, even though she wasn't on stage with us, she was very involved in that show. And we have more love and respect for each other now than we ever have, mm-hmm. which is nice. That, that's such a special thing to be able yeah. to say, isn't it? Because I think as yeah. well, if you guys had all of that stuff played out at the time when social media, like it is today, was going on. How difficult do you think, especially for instance, when Jerry left, how difficult do you think that would have been to handle if there was social media on top of everything else that was going on at the same time? Yeah, that is probably the thing I'm most grateful for, that there was no such thing as social media in the 90s. Mm. Because the pressure that that adds, I mean, the pressure that that adds to daily life, right? Just generally... Ah, but <laughs> I mean, I have such a love-hate relationship with it. But yeah, back in the day, I mean, we were our version of that was dealing with the tabloids, mm. and they seem to have mellowed a little. Um, but yeah, I mean, young people, young artists, young people in the public eye, I just. I feel for them, you know, and even kids mm. growing up, you know, my daughter's 12, so she's entering that world and it's like, whew, you know, it's a minefield. Yeah. Mm, it totally is. And it makes it so hard, like, you know, for girl brands today as well to function because that's all they're hearing, all they're seeing. They can't focus on what they, like, especially when there's like a breakup or anything that happens, like with Little Mix or for instance, and the rumours swell and then it becomes like, Psh! and it's just so hard yeah. to control. It's, it's a mad change in culture where I think, you know, maybe people of my generation want to 
not all of them, but you know, personally for me, it's like, you know, don't, what's that old saying? Don't air your dirty laundry in public. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, there's certain things where it's like, you know what, let's not comment on this, you know, let's not react. But it's so hard because I think the thing is with social media, for the first time, it's given us all a voice. You know, Mm. back in the day, if somebody wrote an article about you, that was unkind or untrue, you couldn't set the record straight unless you were on, you know, TV doing an interview or, you know, but now you can, you can do it instantly. And these things, you know, they, they sleep with us. Do you know what I mean? They are there first. What's the first thing we all do when we get up, you know, touch that phone, honey. It's dangerous. you can't escape. You can't escape. Yeah. And, you know, there is times... I mean, I, I think I've done some, like, drunk tweeting in the past. Oh, And then babe. you wake up at, like, 4 a.m. going, <laughs> delete, delete, delete. Too late. <laughs> Mine's the drunk Instagram stories where you're like, <laughs> yeah. having the time of our lives. And then you wake up in the morning, you're like, <laughs> I always think the ultimate night out, 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 if I could go back in time and do one, would be to go out with you girls in the Spice Girls at the height of when everything was, like, kicking off. Like, what? how wild were those nights out, Melanie um, Well, you know what? <laughs> when, well, when it was crazy, there were very few nights out. Because, you know, our schedule didn't really allow, you know? So it was kind of, we used to go out... I love thinking back to like the early, early days because before we'd written any songs, signed any deals, released any music, we'd rock up to nightclubs going, you know, and we looked like we look, right? So we were adopted. (laughs) And we'd like run to the front of the queue and like, you know, because Jerry's the biggest blagger on earth, right? And just be like, we're a girl band, let us in. And like nine times out of 10, we'd get in. So that was, so before anyone knew who we were, that was, that was the most fun times because the eyes aren't really on you at that point, you know? Yeah, totally. You could do all the shots mm-hmm. and the strawpedos or whatever else you wanted to do. <laughs> Dance around those poles. Yeah, back in the day. I'm trying, I'm trying to even think what our tipple was. I mean, we went through this really funny stage um, where we just drink really cheap wine. But this was like when we were... <laughs> When we were loaded, right? When we'd like earned loads of money. And we, I think we were doing the MTV Awards. It might have even been in, it might have been in 2000. And we went through this phase of drinking Lambrusco. <laughs> like, we just like it because it's sweet. You know, it's like, forget the, you know, forget the moe. The girls, can you just pop down to Tesco and see what's on offer? <laughs> Spice Girls. <laughs> The idea of you guys having a big, big night out, the MTV Awards on Lambrusco. Yeah, is and you know me. what? And you know who the who the main culprit is? Victoria who? Beckham. <laughs> Victoria Beckham loves a pink fizzy wine. <laughs> Do you know what? Sometimes you can't beat an Echo Falls, darling. Can you? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was blue it just, none in my day. <laughs> Just hits differently that cheap wine yeah. from uh, Tesco's, doesn't it? It's the smell. I think it's the smell that takes you back to being in the park with your mates. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, don't you? 
<laughs> I know exactly what you mean. I, yeah. it, takes me, it takes me back to when I was first a uni student. I used to go to this like cost cutter and there was like this bargain basement of wine. And I swear to God, it was like pound ninety nine a bottle. I don't even know, want to know where they got that from. And it was rough. Yeah, I literally, yeah. even thinking about that's making me feel a little bit nauseous. Yes, yeah. it's actually, I feel <laughs> retrospectively hungover just thinking about it, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but that's what I love about you, because I feel like you are still that person who walked into that audition room, right? Like, the, you are the same girl who answered that advert that was in a newspaper, which is crazy mm-hmm. when you think about it now. Like, you opened a newspaper one day and like, oh! Let me just go through. I'll answer this girl band out there. Off I go. Tick, tick, boom. And I'm going to audition. Yeah. Like, like, who was that girl who answered that advert? Well, I'd, I went to performing arts college. So I'd studied... Mm. Well, I'd danced all through being a kid. And I loved singing and I loved acting. So I wanted to pursue... Well, I wanted to work in music, but I knew how difficult it was to get into. So I thought... You know, I love theatre. I equally love theatre. So I'll go and I'll, and I'll get the training, right? So I was lucky enough to get a place in a college in Sidcup in Kent, which is just outside London. And I think I'd been left for a few months and I was auditioning for West End shows and, and different things, but not really having much luck. When I saw that advert for a girl band, I I mean, I literally remember it was at Danceworks, Balderton Street, just off um, Oxford Street near Selfridges. Still there, this dance studio was still there, and I was sitting there with my my bestie from college, and I went, "That's it. That's what I'm gonna do." And that went on to become the Spice Girls, and I was super ambitious and fearless, you know, when it came to performing and when it and and like in my own ability. I mean, I wish I had that now, you know, as you get older and all these doubts and fears creep in. Mm. But at 19, 19, 20, I was like, yeah. I'm going to be the next big thing. So, yeah, it, it's nice. And I, I suppose I haven't changed much. There's been lots of, um, yeah, interesting twists and turns in my life. Um, but, yeah, I think I think you're right, actually. I think at heart, I'm, I'm still the same old girl. Mm. Do you think you're out here still doing it and still being ambitious for that young girl who walked into that audition space? Yes, because I've had times, you know, I've had times in my career when I've questioned if I should do it, you know, it's, there's been hard times and I've questioned if it makes me happy and I, you know, I think like with everybody, we kind of, we find ourselves on treadmills, don't we sometimes, Mm. you know, it's a bit like, you know, if you're going through a difficult period and you just think, I I think the pandemic's been interesting for that too, because you think, you know, I live in London. I've lived in London since I was 16, but, you know, all of my family is still in the North and I, I just travel constantly with my work. But when that stopped, I just thought, you know, I'm here in the rat race. And does that make me happy? You know, we've, mm. we've just questioned everything, haven't we? But then I realised that being a performer and connecting with people, it's my identity. Do you know what I mean? It's like, Mm. again, through the pandemic, not having that outlet to perform to people. Yeah, I did stuff online. You know, I did a live stream. I did different things on Zoom and Instagram lives and all those things. But to be in a room with people, 
you know, to see how your art is affecting people and really feed off that energy and that intimacy that you're sharing. To not have that has been like, I've had a part of me missing. So I know whatever, whatever the future holds for me, I'll, I'll never stop doing what I do because it's, it's who I am, you know? Mm. And I mean, babe, you just had a top 10 album. Like, come on, like, literally, like, what you, like, to actually be, like, if you, you've been in this industry for 25 years, and if you can continue staying that relevant, to have a top 10 album after 25 years, like, that is, that's, like, finger-clicking good, really, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Finger-clicking good. Clicking I like good. that. Um, yeah, you know what? It's not always been easy. You know, I think, like... Mm. A lot of artists, most artists, you have your ups and downs, you know, professionally as well as personally. And yeah, the last album was, it was amazing because I was quite brave, you know. It kind of taught me to remember to be courageous because I changed up my whole team, you know. I started working with new writers, producers. I had new people in the background, you know, management and musicians. And and it was it was just amazing. It just kind of gave me this new lease of life and allowed me to kind of explore more. I, I found it quite liberating to to make changes, you know? Mm. So I would encourage people, if you're thinking of making a change, do it. Mm. You know, it's the scariest thing, but it can be the most inspiring thing. Mm. And I think it really informed that record. Getting back on stage with the girls, you know, it really enabled me to to celebrate everything that we'd achieved and myself, you know, make peace with lots of stuff, lots of stuff from the past. And it all went into the album and it paid off because, you know, it was received so well. Yeah. Oh my God, my, my boyfriend Tom was like the biggest fan of it. We'd get in the car and he'd be like, babe, blame it on me. <laughs> Honestly, I love the record so much. The thing is, right, which is so, it's been frustrating me, but now it kind of excites me, is that because of the situation in the world, I haven't been able to get out there and and promote it as I would and tour it as I would. So I've been in the studio, I've been working on some new stuff. Yes, honey. Yeah, keeping it up there. I want to stay electronic and dancey and yeah, just drop some more bangers. Is oh, we love a banger. Me. Served up with we that love mash, a honey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I am planning to go on the road. I think I'm touring the UK and Europe January, February, COVID permitting. That is the plan. But alongside that, it's going to be nice, yeah, to get yeah. some new tunes in the bag. Mm. Yeah. And I think there's so many times you must have, you were talking about changing up your mindset. And I think you know, you've been very honest about your body image issues and that's a whole, you have to really work on your mindset to get yourself through that. And you've, you know, you're out there now, supremely fit, you seem so in touch with your body and like so comfortable in your body now. Like how difficult has it been to get to that place I think, yeah, that, that's been my toughest journey, I think, because, you know, I grew up as a really active kid and I didn't really think about what I ate. I was lucky because my mum's a great cook. So, mm. you know, I had a, had a bit of an idea about nutrition, but then I left home when I was 16 and I was a dancer. So I was in quite an unhealthy environment. Mm. And, you know, you're a student, you skin, you eat really badly. And obviously at that age, you know, things started to change. And then when I met the girls, I was, you know, I, I was still a healthy weight. 
But there was a few comments made and I started to become very conscious about my body image, being photographed a lot, you know, you scrutinising yourself, other people scrutinising you. And it just started this really unhealthy relationship with exercise, with food. And, you know, through a lot of my time with the Spice Girls in the 90s, I was really thin. You know, I was underweight, I wasn't eating properly, I was over-exercising. And God only knows how I survived because the schedule was insane. And I, I just wasn't eating enough to sustain what I was doing. And it kind of all came crashing down because it was around the millennium where, you know, my body kind of took over my brain because, you know, I'm really headstrong and I've been living in a certain way for so long, but my body had had enough and I started to binge eat. And then, of course, you know, binging, you are going to put on weight and that's going to, you know, your appearance changes. And that was, you know, really where I did get a lot of criticism from the media at that point because I was looking different. And that's when I sought help, really, because I felt really out of control. Mm. So I was angry with myself because I'd lost that control. And, and eating is something we have to do. You can't just stop eating. You know, it's not like other addictions where, you know, you have to stop. You, you can never do that again. But with food, you do have to do that again. So it's like having an addiction, but controlling it. Mm. And it's like, and it's so emotional. And I know, again, so many people will relate to this. Like when I've needed comfort, food has been the comfort. And then it just starts this cycle. And then, and then I'm angry with myself because I've allowed myself to binge and then, so you binge again and it's just this, and you just don't know how you're gonna get out of it. And it's really, really hard. And and I think it's taken me decades to have, you know, and I wouldn't even say it's perfect. I'd love to go back to being a carefree kid, but I just think so many adults have a really complicated relationship with food. Mm. But, about, you know, again, it's work in progress. Yeah, it's about yeah. respecting that relationship with yourself, isn't it? And understanding it and not beating yourself up for having that mindset at points, right? Yeah, something I've started to do recently is, because you know we all have that, you know, I think it's kind of depicted as the angel and the devil on our shoulders. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel like we all have that inside, don't we? So, you know, you have, like for me, it's this little voice that goes, come on, you can do it, you're great. And then there's that big, horrible voice that goes, yeah. no, you can't, you're useless, <laughs> you're, you know, you're worthless, you'll never succeed. And it's just like trying to balance that inside and go, like go to that big horrible devil voice and go you know what I hear you but you're really unhelpful so if you could just you know hush down just step back hush down darling <laughs> pipe down in the back <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so that's kind of you know because I like to kind of work visually in my mind with things like that and so that's how I look at it I just go you know what I hear you but I, I don't really need that right now. I'm just, mm. I just want, you know, this other person, it's kind of like the younger you, isn't it? It's like, I see that it's the child within you and I go, you know, I just want to nurture her a little bit more. Yeah. Mm. And I think as well, like you've just, like you become friends with Billie Eilish, who's your certified number two fan after me, babe, let's get real. <laughs> and, <laughs> and like, do you feel that you want to build relationships with younger female artists like Billie, for instance, in order to kind of like, help them through kind of what they're going through that you've gone through 
as well. 100%, yeah. Whenever I meet younger artists, I I mean, meeting Billy was so brilliant because I went to her show. I went to Shepherd's Bush Empire. She played there. That, I mean, was that 2019 as well? And even then, it was like, you ain't going to see an artist, this artist, in a venue like this again. I mean, Shepherd's yeah. Bush is big. You know, for me, it's like 2,000 people. But come on, you know, it was yeah, a privilege yeah, yeah. to see her in such an intimate setting. But the audience was predominantly teenage girls and they sang every word and the atmosphere was incredible. And it just made me think of Spice Girl shows. You know, I just thought it's so unusual to see women screaming for another woman. Yeah, you know, it, it was it was really interesting. And it just, I've been mean, getting goosebumps thinking about it, but it was that, it just really struck me. So, you know, I was lucky enough to meet her. And I always do that thing. And I feel like, all right, shut up, Gran. You know, I'm I'm going, oh, you know, make sure you enjoy it because it goes so quickly and da li I'm thinking she's going to think, yeah, whatever. And then <laughs> she talks about it in an interview. And I just thought, that's amazing because I am compelled when I meet young artists to to kind of go, you know, because the thing is, I feel so lucky that I was in a band, that I am in a band, because we have each other, we all experience the same thing, even though we experienced it and dealt with it in different ways, we know, we know, you know, Mm. and I think when you're a solo artist, it's hard, so I kind of want to go, yeah, if there's any tiny bit of advice, or if I can avoid any of the pitfalls for you that I fell into, that, yeah, I just feel compelled to do that. And that, Billy really responded to that, was like, oh, that's good. It's not just grand, you know, telling you <laughs> things you don't want to hear. <laughs> Grandma Spice in the house. Are you, darling? Got my pearls and my perm. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think that's so amazing you've been able to build that kind of relationship. And, like, does that mean you're going to be on stage at Glastonbury, babe, is what I want to know. Well, wouldn't that be lovely? <laughs> It is disgust, <laughs> you know, it makes me laugh because all these things are written about, I, you know, and then someone said to me, oh, no, 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 one of the girls, I can't even remember who it was, has said you've been asked and it's like, well, I've never been asked, so I don't know what's going on there, something funny going on, no, I, I, I don't think we've been asked, in all honesty, we haven't been asked to do it, but I do believe it could be the thing that would see all five girls on stage, so... <laughs> So we, we better, should we start a petition? <laughs> I think I'm going to literally start manifesting this right now. Yes. I'm going to get placards out. I'm going to get a petition going. Mm-hmm. You're not going to know what's hit you mm-hmm. with this petition. Mm-hmm. It's gonna, I'm going to go turning down the street. <laughs> involved. I can just see that picture now. I, I'll chain myself to the Buckingham Palace gates <laughs> if it gets a Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I think quite rightly oh. so. <laughs> rightly so cultural moments but like because you have been part of so many huge cultural moments and I remember I first met you just after you did the Olympics <gasps> and I remember literally going to this like grotty pub and watching it on this like big screen I remember like all my friends being around me and we were like oh my fucking god they're on a taxi they're literally like wearing the, they're wearing like new versions of the outfits I can't even go like what what's actually when you look back been one of the proudest moments for you oh gosh there are so many so many of course like that all the moments in the 90s I think the first like thing we did which felt like a big big thing for us was when we switched on the Oxford Street lights at Christmas 
oh in my 1996. God, that huge. That was huge. And I think that was the first moment that we... We were the only people there, because I think up to that point, because it was only 96, so we'd only had, like, we were on our third single, and we'd only done, like, road shows and Smash It's Poe winners and things where there was lots of other artists. <laughs> yeah. So even though we were, like, we were really popular and we were doing really well, we hadn't had an audience come just to see the Spice Girls. So when we just saw these thousands and thousands of people you know, coming up Oxford Street, it was like, wow. That was a moment, I think there's a bit of footage and there's me and Emma at a hotel looking over it and it's like, that's all for us. You know, we, we did it. We set out what we, you know, we've done what we set out to do. So that was a moment. And then of course, the Brits, you know, the big Brits, the iconic Brits with the mm -hmm. Union Jack dress. And, you know, that was like our coming home after being all over the world. And we won three awards that night, it was amazing. Um, MTV Awards, we, you know, to be there was incredible. That's when I first met Madonna. Hello, tick, you know. Um, <laughs> tick, tick, boom. Tick. And yeah, the Olympics 2012 was, I mean, we played Wembley Stadium with the first tour, but Jerry wasn't with us at that point. So to go back and have Jerry with us, I mean, the show's in 2019. If only Victoria had been there, do you know what I mean? Because it was really, really special. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd say London 2012 and the stadium tour in 2019 and every single night, you know, there was rainy midweek nights, like Bristol, it absolutely <laughs> peed down all night long. We were soaked, but it was one of the best gigs. Every single night was insane. So, yeah, I think they're my... I mean, there's so many highlights, but they're just a few, a handful. Mm. I mean, it's been quite the rain for you, Queen Melanie C, hasn't it? And we <laughs> always end the podcast by asking one final question, which always is, in the rain of your life, what is the one rule you will always live by? Now, there may be times when I've wavered from this rule... But now, I I fully, fully own it. And that's being yourself. Whatever you do, just be yourself. Because you know what? It is enough. And that's when the magic happens. Mm. Do you think at times you've disappeared behind a kind of caricature of yourself? I feel like I've been confused by other people's versions of me. Mm. And maybe try to be something that I'm not. Um, and it's exhausting and it's frustrating and yeah to just fully and again you know to talk about my experience with Sync the Pink and the LGBTQ plus community as much yeah I'm so proud I just get so emotional when I was talking about it. I'm so proud to be an ally it means so much to me but the community have taught me so much. They've given me so much more self-acceptance, you know, and I, that, that is a relationship that is so dear to me, that winning my awards, I did just before I came away um, as an ally was, you know, honestly, it meant the absolute world to me because it is a very, very special part of my life. Mm. And you are such a special person and like, as someone from that community, thank you for being such an amazing ally. Thank you for teaching me about feminism when I was five years old in the playground, when we were like doing our Spice Girls routines and like, just thanks of just being the best. I just think you're incredible and you're like 25 years of being a role model, honey. And that's something, isn't it? Woo, 
yeah. I mean, it, it's it, yeah, it, it's hard, but you know, I gotta own, I gotta own that shit. Yes. And you know, what? I have to say, I have to say thank you to you, and I'm so proud of you because since I've met you, and I always knew you had such potential, and you are completely fulfilling that potential, and just you know, onwards and upwards, and succeed in everything that you do because you are brilliant, and I just love to see you with all these incredible people and everybody adores you so oh my god long may gonna... we reign oh my god you're gonna know. make me cry don't like, like, I that's, cry as well. like that's like i actually oh my god i can't but like <laughs> like honestly but it's like, true right yeah like whoa but like literally i do think sometimes it's like i always say this that i do this kind of stuff for like the younger me who felt alone i felt isolated and all those kind of things and i think back to being you know that kind of like person who's so confused and like hearing a spice girl like valerie c who was like such an icon and is an icon say that to me and i just think about that younger boy who would literally been like like literally like <laughs> you're not alone you've got self-worth and you can go on to do amazing things and like we talked about that even with you as well like on that journey you've been on with yourself well, you know, so. yeah the the thing that I love you know because because you know I'm I'm so sincere in what I say because I absolutely I love you so much and I am so proud of you you know no matter who you are no matter what you do whether you're Jennifer Lopez you know or whoever we're just people, mm. you know, we are just human beings. And yes, we might have special qualities, but everybody has special qualities in some way. I mean, no one's better than anybody else. So I just think to have that, you know, just to remember that. I sat in my bedroom going, oh, you know, I want to be this, I want to be that. I never thought I'd achieve it. So we've all been there, babes. We've all been there. And just thank you so much for joining me. I mean, like... I haven't cried on this podcast yet, so that's quite something. Girls. <laughs> you made me cry, babe. <laughs> well, it's it's all happy tears. Yeah, it's all happy tears. Thank you so much. Honestly, like, I mean this from like the bottom of my heart. You're the best. Mwah! I know, I love you so much. Thank you so much for joining me for another incredible episode of Rain. I really hope you found something to take away from this chat. And if you have, let me know. Get me on socials at Josh Smith Hosts. And the Royal Email Bag is always open for your problems. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode, please like, rate, subscribe, or follow. And ultimately, please share this conversation with someone you think needs to hear it. It might just open up the conversations you never knew you needed. And if you've been affected or would like more information about the issues raised in this podcast, please visit anorexiabulimiacare.org.uk or mind.org.uk.